Hello guys, welcome to the 831 Podcast, we're back. How you all doing? I hope you're good. Um, been fairly busy, um, had my fight recently, fought a couple of weeks ago. Um, as I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know the fight went well for me, but it was the first fight back for a while, so yeah, I had my fight, so that kept me busy, and then from the back of the fighting, I've after that, I've had a few bits and pieces, catching up with work, etc., so yeah, I've been fairly busy, but we're back, and I've got a few booked in for this week, podcast-wise, so hopefully I'll get two or three done this week. And keep you updated before I head to Pedro Bernardo in Spain for the British Paragliding Championships. And even when I'm there, if we get a bad weather day, I plan to have all this equipment with me so I can get a podcast or two done out there as well. Going to start getting these out more frequently. Um, I will, of course, be trying to stick with these a, a lot more. I'm going to try and fight again and uh, I have got paragliding comps and stuff coming up I'm going to try and really start making these a focal point and try and get a few in I know I keep saying it but it is difficult but I've literally got a backlog of about six or seven really cool people to do now so we're going to get these done um a few sponsors to mention um the cloud seller in St Anne's Bristol sponsored me for my last fight and they are now ongoing sponsors the cloud seller really helped me with providing me with CBD products from Vitality CBD um leading up to my fight using cbd products i use them a lot they're great for helping me relax on an evening after hard training etc so i really am an advocate of cbd oil and the cloud seller have been great so please go if you if you don't already like them on instagram follow them on facebook hit them up and tell them that you heard it on the 831 podcast or you spoke to me that helps me with my sponsorship and it helps them grow their business so please do that if you listen great company uh, Tommy's a great guy, he really supported me, and Vitality CBD has been absolutely fantastic so far, so I'm over the moon with that. Um, Trojan Nutrition, Trojan Fitness in Bristol, lifelong sponsor of the podcast, always will be, really helped me out for my fight, um, really helped me get prepared, lots of people helped me out with my fight, but Trojan, as always, stuck by me and gave me everything I needed. Sweatbox Gym, where I train, were absolutely superb, and all the guys at Sweatbox Gym that helped me prepare for the fight. Nad Naramani, Bernie, who's actually this podcast is with. Paul Reed, of course, is all we've been together for a long time. A plethora of other guys at the gym. Ben Lambert and A Free Gym really helped me. CW Sports and Fitness massively helped me, letting me use the gym for free to get ready. Chris Ogden was absolutely fantastic all the way through camp. Made sure he was available anytime I needed him. So yeah, this this camp's been great for me. Really helped me put things together. Um, and sponsorship-wise, Total Access Scaffold really helped me out financially. And, you know, there's so many people who, if you don't follow me, and if I haven't mentioned you, I'm sorry. Remind me and I will mention you. But I'll include links and stuff on, on all descriptions. But getting to the fight and having the fight was was helped out by so many people and the fight went really well and that's accredited to to their help as well so thank you everybody who helped me out with that and got me to the fight and I can repay you back with this basically that's that's what I like to do so today I was joined by friend teammate professional MMA fighter model entrepreneur PT uh Bernard Gom Bernie the B-Rod uh 
I've been training with Bernie for a number of years now. And he sort of made his debut in the MMA world a couple of years ago. And he's hit it how we all thought he would. He's a force within the MMA world. And he's going to make some big waves, I feel, on the UK and international scene. The guy gets better and better. He performs amazingly in the gym. He's never phased by anything that he's put under. He does everything he's asked to do by coaching teams. And then he goes into a fight. And he performs incredibly in the fight. All of his wins coming by first round knockout. Just search him at Raged, Bernie Gom at Raged, and you'll see his fights all first first win stoppages, all first round stoppages. A great guy. He was a little bit worried about whether he'd have anything to talk about or talk or to say when I asked him to do this, but I just knew from speaking to him myself and the personality he is, I know he'd be great in this environment. And we were limited to an hour and a half today because he had to go and teach a class, but You'll, you'll see, I think, we could have spoke for three hours quite easily on this podcast. So, yeah, it's lucky that he had to go, really, because it keeps keeps a little bit shorter for you guys. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Again, thank you to Bernie for coming on. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Um, have a listen, and we will hopefully be back very soon with uh, another one, as in at least one more this week. So, yeah, We'll see. I'll keep you guys posted. I'm going to do as much as I can to keep these coming now and keep the guests rolling in. So hopefully you enjoy this one. I'm sure you will. And until then, I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you very much. Okay, so here we are. Joined by Bernie, the Burn Rod, B Rod. How's it going, mate? It's going, it's going all right, mate. Not too bad. Shit weather, but other than that. Yeah, the weather's shit, but luckily your job is a inside job, and you teach PT at Sweatbox, as where I'm gardening at the minute. Yeah, uh, definitely, rather be PT and then doing garden shit. Yeah, well, the the downfall is I don't get to do any garden shit because of the rain, so... Yeah. Yeah, but it means we get to do these. Yeah. And uh, I'm hopefully going to get a f- two or three in this week if the weather stays like this, so... Okay. You're the first of the week. Get you in, get out of the way. Yeah, man. So you're... First, uh, first podcast. Your first podcast? I feel very weird. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel... It's like first time uh, with a girl. <laughs> it's, it's not going to end the same. Ex- I'm excited. A little <laughs> bit nervous. This is going to... We're hoping for about an hour and a half. So if your first time with a girl was an hour and a half, you put yeah. some... That was a performance. Well, I'm like the opposite. Oh, here we go. It's already getting weird. I was say, I'm like the opposite to like most teenage boys. I like... Um, Rather than like spunking my load real quick, I'd just get really nervous and then last like too long. Fucking hell, that is a dream. I've never, when I was a bit younger, like early 20s, (laughs) I could last. I was like a soldier. I was like, yes. But now I'm like, I think it's because I don't have a permanent girlfriend, you know? I have have got a permanent girlfriend. He is. And I probably, uh, I don't think I could last very long now. (laughs) For me, because I'm seeing different girls or a a girl I'll see a couple of times and then it maybe feels like every time when I have sex is like a the pressure the pressure's on me it's like, oh fuck you've got to really put some work in so what so you think the pr- pressure to perform 
is hard, it makes makes you feel like shit's gonna happen quicker rather than the pressure to perform making it harder to perform in general oh yeah I've never got a problem performing (laughs) there's certainly never a problem performing Um, I think mine swings I've swung both ways yeah, it goes back and forth. Back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And I got so I've got this trick of I can stay hard if I really want to. <laughs> you really want. To. This is if you're if you're with a girl who you not don't care about because that sounds really bad. But there's no feelings involved. It's just sex and it's just physical. Then this is an X-rated podcast. <laughs> no, this is how all end up. Um, but if you if I'm with a girl, I just. You know, I'm just having sex with. When you come, it's hard to keep the motivation to want to keep it hard. You know, uh, yeah, if it's your missus, you're enjoying the moment. It's passionate. So yeah, I think uh, it's all about the passion. Yeah, I th- and my mates, my mates say to me, like Tim Hughes says to me, he's like, "Oh, it's mental. I can control mine. I can if I feel like I'm going to, I can just put it off and just wait another forty like, minutes." Jeremy, I'm like, I'm like, "What the? Fuck? <laughs> How do you?" How? Like, I don't have enough sex to practice doing that. So, yeah, that's yeah. a practice man. That is a practice <laughs> man. Definitely a well practiced man. Maybe you just you need to practice your masturbation. But yeah. I think when you train as much as we train and you work as well on top, you can't be bothered to fucking have a wank. Wow, just so busy, just so tired, just you can't. Your sex, my sex drive just plummets if I'm training. If I'm with a girl, it doesn't. It stays high. But because I'm single, I can go ages without even thinking about a need for yeah. sex because I'm training, you know? And especially if you're dieting as well. Yeah. Spoke my load on then in the gym, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in fear of my life trying to survive the round in the gym, trying not to gas. But, uh, so, yeah, you're you're back off your win, your recent win on Raged, uh, which took you 4-0 pro, right? That's it. Going in the right direction, slowly. Yeah, I think... Well, uh, slowly, fastly. Yeah, f- like 4-0, pro, all first round finishes. Yeah, man. You can't argue with that, definitely. That's a, it's a great way to start a career. Like, So, when I first started, I, I didn't know if I went 3-0 or 4-0, but the sport's very different now to then. I think yeah. being 4-0 now is much bigger of an accolade than when I was 3-0 or 4-0, whatever it was. Because yeah. um, the calibre is so much higher. and Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, I suppose. I still, like... I suppose my last fight has made me feel a bit more satisfied with that. The fact that I'm 4-0. Up until my last fight, I felt like, yeah, I'm 3-0. But I was fighting late pullouts and... Yeah, maybe not giving myself enough credit, but <clears throat> I feel like now I fought so I fought someone at the same level who should have been at the same level as I am, and I still getting the first round finish. Now I feel like okay, so maybe the three and zero was more deserved than I was giving it myself. Well, what what was your amateur record? I only fought once. And that was the first round finish as well. So the three and zero record is irrelevant of who your opponents are because what. What you need to do there in those early ones is just absorb the atmosphere, learn the process, step in the cage. If you have hard fights in those first first three fights, then you have them. But realistically, you should be looking to gauge opponents or your coaches and the people who match you should be looking to gauge your opponents so that you can go out there and implement your game plan, build confidence, 
and then look at how you improve that game plan. So I think everyone's going to look back and say, well, yeah, I beat three people, but how good were they? They were as good as they needed to be. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't, I mean, I train with you and your ability far exceeds the level opponent you should be fighting. You shouldn't be fighting anybody of your ability yet because if you start fighting people of your ability, that's the sort of fights that people should be seeing on massive shows. Yeah. You know, you well, don't... Hopefully next year. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to be having your first four or five fights on massive televised shows and stuff because you need to build up to these things and people need to build a fan base for you and this is a business now this is you're a fighter much like myself you'll go and fight anyone at any minute that's not a problem but if you're going to fight professionally make as much as you can out of it whether it be money or a following a career um, a fan base whatever you can make out of it do that and if you're going to do that wasting those big fights that you're going to get damage from and it's going to be back and forth and it's going to be tough. Wasting them on untelevised shows, in my opinion, for you, is it's just not worth it. You know? Yeah. So I think you, uh, it's a bit self-deprecating to say about your 3-0 losses, but take it from me... Your 3-0 wins, sorry. You take it from me, every one of those was perfectly matched for you and you should hold... Cr- hold your head as high being 3-0 as if you'd fought anyone because yeah. it's not the opponent that matters it's you that matter in the, in the early days I suppose you're always going to be your, your like your worst critic as well isn't it like and it's the only way to improve I and guess. what why yeah uh, I suppose I sort of like because I train with you Paul Nad and like um, you know other like super high level guys it's just like I'm trying to compare myself to people that be maybe in the game a lot longer than I have and then and be, because you're you're at our level, pretty much, you know, it's uh, only one or two little things. Like there's one or two things that I do better than you, but there's one or two things that you do better than me. Yeah. And then there's experience that I have and way to use. But you're you're at a level where you can compare yourself to us. However, what you don't want to be is a Sage Northcutt who got thrown into the UFC after three fights. Then he goes and has a few losses. Then he goes and fights in one FC. Gets absolutely smashed yeah, and his face bad. caved in because bad. he wasn't ready. He's just not. He's not yeah. ready. There's more to this game than just being able to beat somebody up, you know. Yeah. And that was a horrific way to lose. But perhaps this game's not for him. And now he's finding that out the hard way by fighting really hard bastards, yeah. you know. Find yeah. that out a little bit easier on in your career when you get to five or six fights and things aren't coming together for you then you can say oh actually but yeah don't find out in your first three fights and this game will always abuse you promoters will abuse you fans will abuse you because all they want is the best out of you and don't give a fuck what it takes from you fans yeah I mean fans fans of the sport are more thinking (laughs) not necessarily your fans all my fans (laughs) yeah fans of the sport they'll always take more from you than than you can give yeah. so you know you've just got to to say to yourself I'm happy training yeah I'll fight whoever my well, so coach stuck. has put I haven't me. been like I haven't, I, don't, I haven't really been hit yeah you know what I mean this isn't me like, like asking someone out there hey come on <laughs> I haven't been hit yet let's go <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's going to be the first one but like if I can keep going not getting hit you know I'm just going to keep going yeah Do you I mean, know what I mean so, that's the beauty of it as well like because I feel like maybe I've come to it quite late as well. I'm like, I'm like ageist against myself, and I feel like I don't know. I've got all these like sort of. It just. I mean, it depends. So, so I went six fights without getting hit once. 
And uh, I always felt like I wasn't a proper fighter. I was like, well, I'm not fighting people. I'm beating people up. Like, I'm not... Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? And uh, some, like, some of them were really decent guys. I'm not fighting bums, you know. I was fighting half-decent guys. But I just wasn't getting hit. Relying on wrestling, top control. And I just beat them. And uh, so, you like... It's a great way to have a career. Get hit oh, as little as possible. Oh, oh, we're so happy if I can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, keep doing that if you can do it. But then... Um, yeah, so you can't really like do that if you can. But I do know what you mean, where you feel like, am I really fighting? Like, I want, I want to have one of those Donald Cerrone yeah. fights where you stand in the cage and, and then throw hands like, at each other. Do that, and you're like, I don't want one of yeah. again. Don't want to back to back. Well, I fought Muay Thai. The first fight I ever had was full rules Muay Thai in in, in Thailand mm-hmm. against the Thai. And were you out there training for this? Or I was, just... I, well, I wasn't planning on fighting, but when I got there, I got convinced by the coaches to fight yeah. at the stadium. In Patong, I was like, yeah, yeah. But in their spur of the moment, twenty years old, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Full tie rules. Oh man, how'd it go? Uh, I got my ass kicked for three rounds and then got three lucky elbows in and knocked the guy out. But uh, a tie guy? Yeah, tie guy. Yeah. I couldn't walk for about a week. Yeah, I had a concussion. My vision went orange. Very strange feeling, and that put me off for a very long time. I thought it's not for me, man. This is not for me. Yeah, at twenty years old, though, with no fight experience, that's a <laughs> fucking that's a baptism of fire for yeah. sure. Yeah, what was well hard. Yeah, and that tie's not going to quit in Thailand in front of people he wow. knows. So you, it's a tough fight. You have to stop him, you know. Yeah. But um, and then so what? Then you came back and you had a love for combat sports. Or uh, no, nah, so it's like one of those things that you know when you're just always drawn drawn to it since like I did karate when I was very young I think you know very very young Um, and then I wasn't massively sporty growing up until about 13 14 and I did kickboxing laogar kickboxing Mm -hmm. Um, and then from that I gravitated towards Muay Thai and then that's when I got proper fell in love with combat sports I've always been like obsessive action movies, ninja movies, kung fu, all that sort of stuff. Jean-Claude Van Damme collection and stuff, yeah. yeah. The whole collection. It's just something I've always been drawn to, always. So, um, but not overly like, like like my competitiveness is never, is like something that's built in me. It's not like a natural thing. I've always been much more into like art and music and, and then I don't know, yeah, all of a sudden I sort of like, st- when I started Muay Thai, I really like, quickly realised I was actually, had a bit of like a natural ability for it. And then from that, I just follow, follow that ability and see where it's taken me. Yeah, and I think, so you said uh, about coming into it a bit late. I mean, you're 32, you're 4 now. it's, you've got to look at it comparatively. If you have four fights in the next year, you're 33 with a 7-0 record or an 8-0 record. That's a great position to be in. Like That's an awesome position to be in. So you could be 21 with a 7-0 record and be thinking of a 10-12 to 12 year career, getting your face smashed in every day, training. And so you, you are, I think it's not a bad place to be. And what you've probably got is you've got a competitive manly drive inside of you as well where you know your window of opportunity I'd say it's more of a gender neutral drive (laughs) a gender fluid drive (laughs) yeah it's got this gender fluid drive about him I feel fluid in my drive (laughs) but you um and 
you'll have that thing where you know you, you, you have a window of opportunity now and obviously it's it can be as big as you want it to be but realistically you're not going to want to be for, fighting when you're 40 years old no, so not. you've got in your head 8 years maximum let's say left as if you're 20 years old you've got 15 year career ahead of you yeah, you don't life. have that It's you just don't have that that drive of urgency where I'm not, I can't let anybody beat me because you've got that because you're a fighter but you have it because You've probably built that competitiveness. You say you didn't have it instilled with from in you from young, but you've probably developed that because you realise, hey, look, if I'm doing this, I gotta do it properly. Yeah. And I'm 32 years old. A loss can be quite ba- damaging for me, so I'm not gonna lose, and I'm gonna get better at this. And then, of course, you come sparring with myself, Nad, Paul. If there's any quitting you and you're struggling, yeah. every session's gonna be a nightmare. Like I've yeah. been to training where. I can't be bothered, I'm tired, or I'm unfit, and you lot are really super fit, and I'm just like, fuck this, and it just, it exposes, and I'm never going to stop the round or something, but i got to get my ass kicked for the round, because yeah. you guys are going to see it, and you're going to put it on me, you're not going to see it and think I'll go easy on Wes, yeah, fuck that no, you're going to put it on me, and that's exactly, that's the baptism of fire that you had coming up, yeah, back yeah, at the yeah, old yeah, Olympians yeah, and sure. stuff, yeah, for sure, yeah, I remember those days, man, being over to train your children and those guys, yeah, so you not knowing anything. Yeah, you put yourself in that position. That's where probably uh, that competitive, not going to quit attitudes developed from. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sure. And so, what? Uh, uh, do you have a goal through fight? Did you enter MMA with oh, a goal, well, or did you well, just sort of? You know, I Paul convinced. Me, I've never had the intentions actually even start MMA competitively. I had um, so sit from like. 21 years 20, 22 years old I had a dodgy right shoulder which sort of stopped me from doing any grappling mm-hmm. any grappling like any sort of wrestling and I just get like chronic dislocations um, to the point where I tried jujitsu because like that's when like the MMA boom really started wasn't it about yeah. like, 10 years ago and I really wanted to be part of that but I just couldn't because every time I did I just ended up with a dislocated shoulder um and then I had a, a bit of a three-year period in my life where I was away, which we uh, we can touch on a bit later. And then I um, when when I got back from that, I um, decided to get the shoulder surgery, which once that was rehabbed and ready, allowed me to like, start jujitsu properly and start the grappling side. For so that's like the last five years of my life. So I've only really been grappling, doing any kind of like wrestling type stuff. For like the last six years and realistically Five only years. the last probably three you've been serious about it yeah so using six, it to yeah, develop your game yeah, yeah otherwise it was just part of the training program yeah because i remember i was paying you to be my pad man for one of my fights that's got to be five years ago. Yeah, that is, yeah. And years, I yeah. think you were saying then you didn't want to fight MMA. You were like, in yeah. your head, you were a bit like, oh, fuck. it's a bit brutal to train, like, and it's yeah. too much, like, you know, with that my shoulder just, and stuff. Like, just like, it it and really then, isn't, that was just fair. You know what I mean? That yeah. was just me being scared, because it's, it's scary, isn't it? It's the unknown. Oh, it's like, like, ah, you know, it's easier just to, like, leave it as the unknown and be like, oh, yeah, I could have been great. You know, <laughs> it could have been someone. It could have been someone, me, but uh, uh, yeah, it took for me to like pay, um, basically do what you did with me, and pay Paul as a pad man, just you know, just to get some quality training in on a one-to-one basis for him to then really be like, you know, mate, like you could actually be someone, like actually do something with your skill, 
and I'd never really like Paul was my first ever real coach yeah like I've had um, coaches as, uh, as in Jesse Watley um, the director of Sweatbox and um, Pedro came a bit later when I started doing his classes but Paul was my first ever like actual coach coach in any sport yeah I feel like I've never had like everything's always been like either like a, a class situation or like me off my own back with a load of mates just in the gym sort of like learning off YouTube or things we might have seen on like fights previously I think it took that to have that one-to-one sort of relationship with Paul to push me into actually like now now trying to take the take it as a career yeah yeah that makes sense and um yeah so that's what and then like like i said first one was an amateur fight um and i sort of to make it less scary for myself based it all around charity and all the anything i made from it was like just more of like a charity donation thing it was for um that's why i had a mustache in my first fight ah okay for november because it was in november so for any ticket sales I made and anything to do with it, I just donated it all to uh, um, the Movember charity, and then like that made it a lot less scary. Yeah. You no, know, I sort of like pied off my fear into charity. Yeah, and you couldn't back out, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Um, but yeah, I, I, like, yeah, maybe I should have started like a little bit sooner. Maybe like maybe this is exactly the right time for me. Um, you know, time will tell, I suppose. Um, I certainly, I, it seemed like the exact right time for you yeah. right now in the way that you perform physically, mentally, you get better every single fight. Um, and just the way that you can handle training, you can handle beast sessions, they break you up a little bit, and then a couple of days later, you're ready to go again. Mm. Um, I struggle with that now, but obviously, my body's bashed up. So when I see someone like yourself, even though you're 32, you have a body that can hold up to the training. And consistently hold up to the training, which is mm-hmm. really good because it—that's the only thing you have to really worry about—is it in age is damage, right? Yeah. But if you haven't had that long-standing, I think that grappling is what takes its toll. Wrestling, especially, is what takes its toll. Yeah. And if I'm, you I'm relatively new to wrestling, like it's just not yeah. with Saeed, um, Josh, uh, no Saeed, oh, okay, and Josh yeah. as well, yeah. So that's a new aspect of the game for me. Yeah. So again, it's, it's, it's nice, it's refreshing because I'm like wow man all these new things I'm learning and and obviously as a personal trainer it's like adding strength to my bow yeah definitely so yeah yeah and it's like obviously I'm 16 years in the sport now and then I was probably 10 years of judo before that judo and wrestling are the things that will break your body up and my neck's jacked my back's screwed and it's all from those those elements of the sport I can box and kickbox and all day long you know and even yeah. jiu-jitsu in a way you know because you can limit your yourself no gi jiu-jitsu is harder because obviously people are grabbing your neck a lot in your head but it's still a lot less in wrestling where people are head snapping you and you're shooting and people are sprawling on your back and stuff so yeah, yeah me, me at 32 my body felt a lot better than it does now but I bet you your body feels a lot better than mine because you don't have all that trauma so for you to yeah. start at 32 I, th- I don't think it's a, a hindrance to you in in the slightest, you know. Yeah. Athletically, you're you're very gifted. Athletically, you're very explosive. You're very powerful. You're very strong. I look um, young. You look quite young, I do, which is I the, think so. yeah. And you could listen. P- 
people can change their gender, you can change your age. You just tell yeah. people you're as old as you want to. If I shave, if I straighten my hair as well, and I look. Don't shave. shave. Don't ever shave. Shave. There's not. No, no, don't shave. It's like a sex change, shaving. Sexy. No, I can't. I, I can't can't imagine shaving. you. Imagine you shaving now. I couldn't imagine. That'd honestly, I saw me the day. other day. It was today, actually, I looked on one of my memories on uh, There's Facebook. There's a picture of you looking at me right there. Oh, with no beard. <laughs> yeah, Uncle well, Creepy. With my vile. <laughs> Vile. That you would not let him babysit your kids, would you? No way. <laughs> it's weird how a bald head and a beard is not as creepy as me with a bald head and a beard. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I, I was never blessed with looks. That's why I let people punch me. No. If I knew that they worked. But they don't. Like, Rooney spent 30, 40 grand on his. Well, it just it doesn't look great. Yeah. You know, so I think if I could have them. Get a sweet tattoo on your head. I'd like. Fuck. No way. Yeah, go on. No way. I would think of having, like, the hair tattoo. Cage fencing. Oh, imagine. (laughs) With MMA. Oh, imagine. People think you're wet. I'd get someone to sponsor my skull, I guess. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Red Bull to sponsor my skull. That'd be quite interesting. They have to pay me some mega money. But no, it doesn't. Hair transplants. I mean, it's really nice not having hair because it's easy, especially yeah. after training. Like Man, my beard annoys hair. me enough, you know? Long hair is but, the worst for this sport. But. Yeah. I'd like my hair about your length with a top knot and a nice bun or something. She's bold at the sides. Nice. Proper Ragnar style, you That's know? Lovely. Yeah, I would like that. But I mean, yeah. I'm lucky with my hair, I suppose. Yeah, I don't think you're going bald anytime soon. Hope not. Got plenty at the front as well yeah. as the back. But if I do go bald, I'll probably just like get a tattoo of something like cage fencing. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to have a. It's an eight fight minimum for that, mate. I'm oh, afraid. Halfway there. <laughs> you're getting there. Maybe by the end of the year. I want to try and get two or three more in this year, anyway. Yeah, you want to get at least two. Definitely stay active. Yeah, stay sure. Like, well, we've definitely got raged again coming up. Yeah. Do a third title defence. Twenty first of September. Stick one in between then and maybe one after would be nice. Sure. I think the best thing for you to do would be stay fit enough to fight and take yeah. something last minute. Well, because you get drinking, so many so opponent you get yeah. have you quit drinking yet? Yeah? Quit drinking. How long's that now? Six months. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. the catalyst for a lifetime free of alcohol, I think. Yeah. For me, yeah. Feels good. That's the only thing that would like hinder my fitness as well, because it's like you fight and then you're like right sweet I can get pissed again get pissed then like every weekend for like the next month or two yeah which man then you're just I mean you might as well be starting from scratch yeah yeah definitely then, like everything about your body is poisoned yeah then you know oh, it's crazy now like uh, yeah fitness, fitness doesn't, doesn't change yeah I mean I, I've never really had that because I I've never, like, I haven't drank for 17, you know, I was my daughter, nearly 18. So nearly 18 Did years I haven't drunk for. When she was born? Her mum couldn't drink because yeah. she was pregnant. So I said, we were both young, like 17, 18. So that's a big drinking age, you know? Yeah, so yeah. we were out every weekend drinking then. And so I was like, well, you can't drink. I won't drink. And then when I was yeah, 18... I well, start drinking because she couldn't drink. Party was. <laughs> Panic party was actually. <laughs> oh, no. This is the beginning of the demise. She was like, she was, oh, bless her. She was like, she was like, well, just, you know, just, you, you're okay. You can go out and party. And, and you know, because when, when the time comes, you know, you, you, you won't stop. be able to. So, yeah. Much. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> the time comes. <laughs> That's it then. And there's a countdown. You know how long it's going to be. Yeah. Hell. 
But no, so I uh, farted more when Lauren was pregnant than I did uh, at all. Yeah. <laughs> but now, yeah. uh, and now look, you've gone yeah, teetotal. Yeah, so. teetotal. It's impossible. I, yeah. I, I, I can't drink and dad and train and business. It's just yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I used to like drugs. I just like some pills and stuff, and yeah. used to party and and that. And but then when I was eighteen and Ash was born, I started working on the door for extra money. Yeah. So because I was working on the door, the opportunity to drink was taken away from me really at weekends. And then the longer you work on the door, the more you see the effects of alcohol. Yeah. The more it puts you off drinking. It's a bad drug, so man. Then, oh, it's the worst. It's the worst drug. The worst. Like, I've got mates who literally I can't be around once they've had one beer. Like they become a tapper or oh, or a, a, a laugh that just annoys me that they yeah. don't have when they're... And, you know, that just... The, the want to talk about bullshit just because you've had a few drinks and like I love you and I can spend loads of time around you when you're not drinking but two beers in yeah. I can't stand the sight of you you know yeah and people don't I don't think people uh, respect alcohol enough because they get away with so much with it yeah well you, so you, you're given an excuse if you're under the influence yeah, for yeah. so much stuff that you would never be given the excuse for any other reason of anything you know, you know what I mean you couldn't like like take a load of heroin say or crack yeah and then go and do something whatever it is something bad and go yeah yeah oh man but i was like i'd smoked so much crack that night <laughs> yeah yeah so you know and then you know what i mean whereas you do that same thing drunk yeah yeah but i was pissed oh yeah yeah you yeah know, you're not normally like that so yeah. No, it, it's, a, it's a weird uh, drink is a really I don't weird think there's any drug that alters your your personality as much whilst allowing you to still function yeah. so like even so acid um, and hallucinogens have probably got the biggest effect on you mentally of all the drugs and you can't act like an asshole you can't be like a dickhead on them as where five beers are enough to get you drunk enough that you can be a pain in the ass yeah. abusive want to fight and still be capable to yeah. to enough that you could glass someone or punch someone sidewind someone yeah, man. just five beers you know so I think it's the most dangerous of all the drugs when you weigh up that it still allows you to do so much as well if you take I've never took heroin in my life but I should imagine if you yeah. inject 20 quid worth of heroin you're not in a state of land looking for a fight quid. I have no idea <laughs> I might kill you I have no idea I don't know what the standard quantity Let's is to take <laughs> when I used to take pills look pills were my drug of choice I loved them uh, ecstasy was my thing yeah. I absolutely loved it um, and I'd take pills and it could just be a Tuesday evening and i take them and no matter what the most annoying part of my conversation was that I really liked you and that yeah. I wanted to spend time with you <laughs> yeah. and you made me feel I was emotive you imagine, know imagine if they made alcohol legal but ecstasy legal. bars yeah ecstasy so bars XSBC bars so you go into a, into a bar and then instead of putting pints they just like give you a couple of pingers and you choose which ones you want be amazing oh I'll have a Darth Vader please mate oh and you know what and half Half one of them Mitsubishi's. Yeah, <laughs> speckled half a speckled Mitsy, please. Oh, you just that'd be amazing. And you just the world, every man. bar has a, a paramedic working there. Yeah. So if anyone takes a funny turn, which I have to say, which I'm not, they probably wouldn't though because I've never seen I've yeah. never seen people take a funny and, turn because and, of the drug itself. And it wouldn't be mixed with alcohol anyway. Exactly. So it would be a lot less likely that you're making the wrong decision in the first place because you're not, uh, you know, what I mean, because you're not already pissed doing it. Yeah. Because any of these 
situations when you're taking drugs, you you probably have three pints first to sort of get the courage up to go and then take the drugs. Well, that, people people associate drugs with partying they associate partying with alcohol yeah that's even like, the amount of people who are like oh, i'm having a barbecue the weekend i'll get some beers around yeah. for me the last thing i want to do if i'm going to eat sausages and burgers and yeah. steaks is put alcohol in my stomach yeah. and bloat myself so yeah. but people associate that you know it's summer we should get the beers out it makes us less so, of a man though doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> it does people used to say this to me all the time like, oh, don't be a pussy drink i'm like it's not, i fight people in a cage i jump off of buildings i own golden eagles and you're you're gauging my manliness and my ability to buy the factors yeah. that's a real that, that that makes you pretty tough it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> masculine if you own two golden eagles then you know, like you're seriously you, can, you, don't question, you, you don't question the masculinity of a man with two golden eagles no, mate for sure. definitely not <laughs> but i also think ecstasy as well i think what it does is it allows you to to accept that loving nature that you have no control over because mm. i don't I've never taken ecstasy and thought I really want to enjoy someone's company and I really want to get on with I've taken ecstasy and people I've never met before I've really enjoyed their energy yeah. and their company yeah, for sure. so I think it allows you to engage with the fact that hang on there's a, a force and, or an energy that I have no control over yeah like you know and we all admit it just for the simple fact of letting our ego go with a bit of ecstasy yeah. having said that if someone offered me ecstasy now I wouldn't take it um, just because I think it's been probably 10 years since, since I took ecstasy and I wouldn't take it now because I just think I'd be looking for for what I had 10 years ago and if it didn't happen well maybe not maybe, maybe but maybe just go with it it's a big what are I you mean, searching for you know what I mean I'm not really yeah I mean it's a big gamble I, like I uh, so I take mushrooms now grow my own take mushrooms yeah. love That's mushrooms I've not tried yet oh you've got to try some mushrooms I will this year at some point yeah you've got to try some in the right environment I've smoking a lot more weed lately yeah and like I smoke weed as well, yeah. but I haven't smoked weed for three weeks. Well, no, the night after my fight, I smoked weed. That was the last time, yeah, and then well, that was only to try and counteract the amount of propane. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I saw you with that pipe, I was like, well, <laughs> with a bit of split then. Gandalf pipe. Out. Yeah, that kind of, I had a bit then, and uh, I haven't had any since. But tonight, I was thinking earlier I'm out of a joint tonight. Then I might smoke for four nights consecutively, and I might not smoke again. I tell you what is good. Um, oh, a little shout out to Hemp Card here. Uh, Kelly from Hempguard gave me these little gummies from oh, High yes, Hemp State or High yeah. State. Uh, I don't know the name. I think CBD got, or THC as well? No, they're just CBD. But yeah. I took three, and um, bloody hell, you like 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 it's like having like one eighth of a Valium, mate, like a weak yeah. Valium. Yeah, weird because it's got no THC in it, but you like you feel you feel something like I can't really explain it you feel super relaxed and just like almost like a bit drowsy from them oh I'll have to get some of these weird yeah like I didn't think like I thought like it'd be just oh yeah CBD sure yeah, I'm just going to eat them because they taste nice yeah yeah and then um, I ate three in a row I had a bit of quite I was on like an empty stomach my girlfriend loves them as well and oh, yeah yeah proper relaxing proper I'll have, to yeah. I'll have to try them yeah. because I got um, I'm sponsored by the cloud seller uh, who stock CBD products vape stuff etc yeah. so I'm they give me Vitality CBD oil really good but it doesn't make me sleep it doesn't make me tired yeah. it just makes me super relaxed my muscles are relaxed yeah. I feel like I can get a better night's sleep because I'm relaxed I've shut down a little bit yeah. and I've been taking some ZMA 
since my fight, which does make me sleep really well, but can make me dream quite badly. So these gummies make what? Well, it's really hard to say what is what though, and I might just be having crazy dreams just because I'm having crazy dreams. Yeah. Or it could be because I've eaten some CBD gummies, or it's, is it causation it, or correlation? Yeah, That's the thing. Exactly, yeah. Like, is it? Yeah. yeah. But um, it's the same with like the CBD rubs, the CBD soaps, all of it. It's just like, yeah, okay, maybe you are making me feel more relaxed, or maybe I'm just thinking I am, or it's it's. Uh, but if it works and it's just a placebo, yeah, if it's then... a placebo, then sound either yeah. way, isn't it? But but no, but for sure those um those gummies that I ate definitely, hundred percent. I need to wasn't try like a psychological like thing. It wasn't like yeah. a, a placebo. That was an actual. Food. they're good man they're really good I definitely have to I try have to them they sound good four or five yeah just see just up your tolerance yeah. as much as you can you can get some obviously when I was in America I, I had some really good gummies but they were t- they had THC yeah, in got, them I got like, like oh yeah I got those as well it's like as a butter from like a secret sponsor who makes a special THC plus CBD coconut oil butter oh we'll have to look at that because I made, I made my own oil <laughs> I made first I made, I, I made a rice crispy cake out of it oh yeah about two years ago holy shit <laughs> strong <laughs> so strong I was like it was a Christmas party and it was about I, I've been dabbling with the, like dabbling with the idea of trying not to like trying to quit alcohol so my idea was that I know I'll replace alcohol with just getting high yeah it just, I just felt like I, it needed a replacement uh, rather than just stopping and just stopping yeah um, so I thought I, I, I know it's my little experiment we're going it's like a staff Christmas party it was a Christmas party of, of some description um, everyone's drinking what I'll do is I'll make myself a rice crispy cake with all this oil and I'll just eat that and see if it is a good replacement man how wrong was I <laughs> man how wrong I was so high I was hallucinating <laughs> I was like I thought I, yeah. I was so high and I, I I could only really compare it to smoking weed which feels completely different yeah when you eat it I just didn't even sort of man uh, and anyway I've, I, I thought I, I'd recently gone to watch It the Clown at the cinema I thought It the Clown was in the pub Fuck I couldn't feel now. my feet so when I was walking I was floating you went out after this as well and then I went out I was like I'll just try and stay out and because I was so paranoid also I was like I've got to go out or everyone will know I'm like spazzing out because I'm real high so I've <laughs> got to go out oh, freaking out every minute it felt like an hour yeah those edibles mate are, is something else you get wrong I mean I'm, <laughs> yeah. I made my own coconut oil and uh I put a lot of weed in, like Powerful probably a quarter um, bud and then a load of leaf that I had given to me, boiled it all down, put it in water and did it into one 500 gram coconut jar. I should have doubled it and put it into a thousand grams of coconut Damn. oil. So I did it anyway, thought okay, didn't just didn't even clock what I'd done, scoop a spoonful out at the end and then I put it in a cup of cocoa, stirred it around, drank it, I was like, this is lovely, hour later I was like, boom boom I was like oh yeah I was like time for bed it's like 11 o'clock at night so I was like laying in bed and I'm like boom 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 in my head I'm like yeah this is nice I'll be asleep in a minute and then I get that like throbbing sensation in my muscles I was like wicked go to sleep three hours later wake up to go to the toilet 
can't walk straight. Oh, my no. feet feel like they're like like as if I'm walking over um, speed humps all the time. Yeah. My feet felt like they were like curling. I thought, oh fuck! So I piss, go, start walking back to bed, lay in bed. The bed is like doing waves. I'm like, oh man, I took too much. I'm gonna sleep it <laughs> off. Woke up the next day, twelve o'clock. Woke up exactly the same. Oh. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> Three days the effects lasted for. Just couldn't. Suffering. I'm never gonna be the same. I'm never gonna be the same. And then, yeah. so the best thing I could do is eat and drink loads of water, but I couldn't eat because I had like a nausea, <laughs> like unable to rent. I was like, I fucked this up. What have I done? Yes. Yeah, so I had to melt it all down and then put another tub of coconut oil in. Let that bond, but then I was scared to take it. Yeah. For ages. That put me off for a long time. Yeah. That put me off for a long time, so I thought, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to keep drinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to go straight, I'm going to drink, keep drinking, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck this weed stuff, man. It's, it's like, a, fucking, it's like gonna... a murderer who almost gets <laughs> caught, like, oh, he's going to go back to rape for a while, fuck this murder. Yeah, it's too strong, it's too much for me. Fucking hell. I what I realised, like, just do a little bit. Oh, that's quite nice, actually. I can still function. Once oh. you are, I think, when, like, drugs get, um, obviously, looked upon in a really bad light, sometimes warranted, sometimes not. Weed, yeah. obviously, suffered a lot from a reputation it didn't deserve. Um, and once you understand it and you're not looking to get fucked off it... Mm. It can just be such a great additive to your life. Yeah, 100%. As a painkiller. I mean, I haven't taken a paracetamol or anything like that for God knows how long. If I've ever got anything wrong with me, I smoke a joint or something. Unless it's something that needs medication. Um, I just smoke a joint to go to sleep if I've got pain. When when I put my back out and I have to have those, um, not diazepam, they begin with a B. They're like an anti-spasm drug. I can't find they're called really popular now. So, because my back was in spasm, I had to take them because otherwise mm-hmm. I couldn't fucking move. It was taking me 45 minutes to get out of bed anyway. Yeah. So, but once my course was over, I was still struggling. The doctor came round. He's like, I'm going to put you on another five-day course. I was like, well, it says to not take them for more than 10 days. I've been on them 10 days. And yeah, he said, "What? Well, just monitor when you come off. I was like, fuck that. I don't want them. And I just smoke weed instead. Mm-hmm. And it hurt a little bit more, but I was like, I'm not going to go on drugs. Like, they say you can be like... Have, adverse side effects or get addictive person yeah. to them after 10 days just because of that back and he's probably just pushing drugs which is you know what I mean? they're never going to prescribe weed over drugs exactly. well, well, well probably will in our lifetime at some point yeah at the moment they're certainly yeah. not the worst thing in the world uh, yeah. for medical professionals yeah oh uh, yeah I just yeah I just I just think it's crazy like the judgement on drugs comparative to alcohol it's like that that judgement oh what you take you take drugs yeah. It's just like, do you drink? Yeah. Well, what do you think that is? Do you know what I mean? People can't see it. They, don't, they can't make the Every correlation. Every bad decision. Well, if I put all the bad decisions I've ever made in my lifetime in a pot, and then we took a percentage of what are those like those major bad decisions were under the influence of alcohol. Yeah. Man. There would be a very high percentage of um, the yeah, yeah, under the influence of alcohol. Yeah, the the, uh, the under the influence pot would be a lot bigger than the other pot, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean last time I drank was about three years ago. I was on holiday in Spain with my brother and we went for a nice meal and you get a bottle of red wine with your meal. So it's a, a set meal and you, it's between two. So my brother and I shared our set meal. We had a bottle of red wine between us, ordered another bottle of red wine between us, so we've had a bottle of red wine each. Um, I had a gin and tonic because I'd never had gin in my life so I had a gin and tonic do you like it? 
It was okay. I like tonic. Yeah, I like and the gin, gin, didn't, add, gin didn't add a lot of flavour. Just like a little kick there, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it was nice. Um, a gin and tonic with a bit of lemon in it. So it was nice. And then I uh, went to another bar and I had a couple of pints. And then we did a shot. Woke up the next morning. Red wine is awful to be drunk on it. I woke up the next morning. The worst thing was not the headache. I can deal with a headache. The worst thing was the sick Sickness, feeling. yeah. Just... I couldn't be sick, but I had this feeling in myself that like, I am going to be sick. Yeah. And the only thing I could feel like eating was salty french fries. That was it. We went to a patisserie. No. Went to a patisserie in the morning and for me to not want to eat cake, something's wrong. Yeah. And we're in a patisserie where I was like, you getting anything? I was like, no, I'm like, fuck, I just want salty french fries. And we went around the corner, got some salty french fries. I ate them and within an hour I started to feel better. Fluids, I was holding fluids better. And I thought then, I was like, I could honestly say I'll never drink red wine again. People say it's all never drinking again. I could honestly never drink again. It would yeah. not bother me in the slightest, you know? Yeah. I, I, at the moment, that's how I feel, to be fair. So. Imagine, imagine a world... Imagine a world where alcohol didn't give you a hangover. I don't uh, know if more people would drink or less people would drink. Reckon, I don't know if it would have reckon, an impact. I reckon it would. Do you think? Yeah. Because I think people are... I think that's probably a big reason why people don't drink more. I don't know. I think... But maybe why they don't drink more in the week. I think if you had to have your stomach pumped after every good night out on alcohol, people would still go out and get pissed on alcohol and tolerate having their stomach pumped. You reckon? I reckon. I reckon people associate with having a good time. The amount of people who say to me, oh, I don't know how you could be out without a drink. I've just got to have a one or two just to get me going. And I'm like, yeah. what? Like, what? <laughs> and they look at me like I'm the one who's got flaws. Yeah. I'm like, hey, like, like, yeah, I couldn't stand around. That's sad. You just stood there not drinking. I'm like, oh, I'm being the one being judged. Yeah. So I think if, if the consequences were so high that you had to have your stomach pumped, people would still drink. Mm. Possibly. They really do. I mean, I think it would, you'd, you'd, isolate a few people who who said no actually it's not worth it it's just not worth it but then you get these people like fuck it weekends here so i got my stomach pumped i'll stay in bed all day yeah, sunday stomach pumped? yeah have you actually yeah not nice what do they do put a thing down my down my throat and like i mean i was out, out of it but yeah. they look i guess pump a solution it just makes me be sick oh is that what they yeah, do yeah just made me be sick yeah gross constantly it's just, all you're doing is being sick water as well yeah. unless you've got loads of stuff in your stomach then what you shit out well no if you've got loads of stuff you should bring all that up as well oh, like when you're right, sick yeah, with loads yeah. of lumps in it oh, and stuff yeah, like yeah. Ooh, salty chips yeah not nice not a nice experience so you touched earlier um, you were away for a little while oh, there we go a story you want to <laughs> share or yeah I guess so um, yeah I went to prison I did uh, nearly three years in prison for crimes I didn't commit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was innocent, I tell you, innocent. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't really innocent. I uh, sort of was, in yeah. a sense, in, in in a way. Um. Yeah. Well, again, alcohol-related, obviously. Um, a little bit wrong place, wrong time, wrong attitude on my part. There's always that, like an angel on your shoulder that said you should have just walked away yeah um, but yeah I, I was charged with uh, one count of ABH for uh, one offence which was down to me being started on by a guy who didn't really like the way I looked um, back in my uh, emo heydays when I had a long 
fringe and I used to I used to I still straighten my hair <laughs> and straightened my hair had a few like few more facial piercings and looked quite boyish and some might say uh, homosexual which is what this gentleman thought I I was and whether I was or whatever I wasn't makes no difference but he found that offensive mm-hmm. and um, uh, so I punched him in his face when he when he when he stepped towards me uh, after saying he was gonna knock me out, and uh, I knocked him out and then walked off. Um, anyway, uh, down the road I got arrested for that. Um, so this guy well, wanted to press charges, uh, but while being um, on bail for this offence, eight months later. Um, some guys who didn't like me due to an ex-girlfriend of mine um, uh, caught up with me outside a nightclub and they decided they wanted to try and beat me up also uh, at which point I knew I was on bail and uh, to cut a long story, sh- story short anyway I ended up getting the better of uh, a few of these guys one of them, one of them en- in a- ended up with a broken leg um, one of a broken nose and- so that was a count of GBH, mm-hmm. uh, which in court they then in- increased to GBH with intent, um, and another count of ABH. So I was looking at two counts of ABH and a count of GBH with intent uh, over my head. So I was on bail for two years with these. Well, they joined the cases together, <clears throat> and what they call uh, what they can do legally is called a joiner case, where the prosecution can use the same prosecution for both cases but they join the case together and you're tried by one jury mm-hmm. which makes you look like a complete fug obviously yeah because you've got these two separate incidences of violence under the influence of alcohol in the same sort of circumstances at kick out time of a nightclub um and um Basically, the first the first offence uh, the the first offence of ABH that was all under CCTV. So um, you could clearly see a guy starting on me, and me punching him and walking off. Basically, I didn't just punch him out of nowhere. He started coming towards me, so I punched him one yep. time, walked off. Um, which I think I probably would have been acquitted of if it wasn't for the fact that they had joined these two cases together. But the second case didn't have no had no CCTV. Uh, miraculously, somehow, the CCTV footage was lost of that on mm-hmm. that case, along with the witness statements being taken three months after the actual incidents had been taken, uh, and all the witnesses were friends of the uh, alleged uh, victim, and um, they managed to sort of corroborate their story and say that rather than me being on my own, saying that I was with friends, and rather than this guy's leg getting broken just in the like madness of a scrap, it was broken by my friends holding him down while I stamped on his leg repeatedly, saying, "Hold him down so I can break his leg," uh, which is where the intent come from. Yeah, that's it, which is how they managed to increase it from just simple GBH to GBH with intent. Um, obviously, knowing all the like the case, I, I'm like sort of like brushing over it, but knowing the case, I went not guilty on all charges there's no way I was going to go say guilty to three charges which I like fully well know that I felt was innocent in terms of I was started on I defended myself 
within rank, yeah, and I kept the force within reason, you know what I mean? I wasn't, yeah. Um, and I was outnumbered in the second, second, uh, second offence anyway, so I had no choice but to fight, like, either that or get beaten up and, and, and you know, possibly have life, life-changing injuries. Um, anyway, I got found guilty on all charges. Fuck. <laughs> Give me five and a half years of fucker. Fucking <laughs> hell. How long was the trial? Uh, the trial was two weeks. Two week trial every day. How long did um, the jury take? How long did the jury take? The jury took a day. Fuck. So it wasn't just like, it was, um, there is a word for it. My lawyer told me like it was like a hung, not hung jury. It was like a split. Oh no, a majority. Was a majority juror? I don't know. There's there's a word for it. Yeah. Where they go with the majority, and the mm-hmm. majority was guilty. Um, you know, and looking back at it now, like I could have acted differently in, in court as well. I was like livid like, the amount of lies that were coming out about me in court yeah, and yeah. stuff. People were like you know they say you can't lie on their own bullshit. Well, I mean, unless you're scared of going to hell, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? unless you're scared of going to hell, yeah, of course you're going to lie on those. Yeah. Now the sort of the the drama that were like you know my victim like like so while I was on on bail my like so-called victims and his mates I was working in a bar in town they'd come into the bar and like taunt me like the pussies that they are would come Fuck into yeah. the bar and thought well I could do nothing about it because I was on bail for already beating them up as yeah. if that wasn't enough for them that they'd come into the bar and taunt me like ha ha we're going to get you in court. It's like absolutely fucking give. Oh man. A- anyway, and um, then in court they're like crying, saying that they'll never be the same again, and all this sort of crap. Um, oh, that might be your microphone. Yeah. And let, what's just happened here? Mic check. Hang on. Uh, speak now. See if it's coming up. Hello there. I believe we're good. Speak again for me. Right then. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All this stuff going on. Then. I just uh, I was going to uni as well. I was just about to go to university in Brighton to study <coughs> photography, um, which I like. You know, I, as I was going pleading not guilty, I thought I'm going to take the chance and just go to uni and hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully everything works out for the best, which obviously it didn't. Um, yeah. What was that day like getting handed five and a half oh, years? It's sort of, um, I don't know. I'm kind of the kind of person that I just sort of take a lot of things in my stride, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it does take quite a bit to phase me. And it's just like, it is what it is. What can you do? But yeah, yeah. It is what it is. So then you were off to prison, man. To Where prison. did you go? So I did uh, a few months in Bristol, which like, that's where everyone goes to start with. How old were you at this point? I was 22. Okay, so Hallfield. Yeah, Hallfield. Yeah. Which is like proper classic prison. If yeah. you watch any sort of like British... Porridge. Prison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in the cell with Big Dan. <laughs> nah. um, but like, it is what it is. It is what it is. You're not like <laughs> you're definitely not prepared for it. Yeah. And because I come from, um, you know, I, I was perfectly educated. Um, I wasn't a good boy by any means. Mm. Oh, I think I pulled my wire out there. I put it back in. 
speak into your yes microphone yeah. check go again microphone check I think you're on I think yeah. you're good I think so yeah it looks so. like it Oh, this is a waste Yeah. It looks like you're good. Um, let me just... Okay, speaking to it. Microphone check, one, two. You seem good, mate. Yeah. Where was I? Um, Bristol Prison. Yeah, like you said you weren't prepared. You're certainly not prepared for it. Nothing, like, I suppose, like, yeah. I wasn't really, like, in that life. I was... Like not a good boy in by any means, but not like um, a criminal as such. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you could say that about yeah. you know, um, but having said that, I was having this conversation with my friend the other day. It's probably one of the best things that could have happened to me in terms of prison. I I, I often think like my life would be so different now if I got found innocent for like well, I got acquitted for all the charges yeah and carried on at uni in Brighton studying arts yeah I'd yeah. be such a different person possibly possibly well, possibly not or maybe it like life would have always led me back to this yeah possibly um time. just I think uh, it would have been a massive it would have changed your outlook on things oh you can go to prison you can become a couple of different people as well and you obviously Came, you obviously went to prison and you probably saw people and saw things where you thought fuck that that's not the road for me I don't want yeah, to be man, stuck you see here some stuff. yeah so you see some stuff <laughs> or or you'd be the guy who you go to prison you think I'm not fucking coming back here man I'm yeah. gonna you know like, look the thing is, is it's not a, once you go there the thought of it is more of a deterrent than actually going yeah, yeah. if that yeah. makes sense like the fear is more than actually then going oh this is prison. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I had an easy time of it or maybe it, it just, it didn't phase me as much as it should have. But it's just like, it's one of those like, well, I've done it once. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't, it, all it is, 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 is a waste of life. The days you're never getting back. The thing, like, so the thing for me would be, I, I wouldn't give a fuck about going to prison. I wouldn't be scared of anyone. Be, none of that, that sort of shit. Like the stuff that you think scares people about prison. Yeah. It would be, when the day's paraglider ball and I'm sat inside looking yeah, at the yeah, bars yeah. of the window or when it's winter and it's frosty on the floor and I think fuck man it'd be good hunting with the bird now but it gives like, you such a different outlook on life as well so if anything it's like um, it's that like you can always take yourself back to a position where it makes things so much easier it's like a 15 minute fight with a guy man I've just done three years being forced into a life where I, I a life that I don't want to live, yeah. seeing things I don't want to see, being around people because someone wanted to call you a homo and then have a, a fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, or because my like my ex girlfriend like didn't like me anymore, so she made some shit up about me, so her hard mates were going to get me, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Come on now, is it like? But it gives you such a it gives you such a different outlook on life, like. It, it, yeah. I, like a negative situation can 100% be made into a, like a massive positive in my life like I I'm a much more driven person for it I'm yeah. not really angry at anyone about it it is what it is like I can yeah. give two shits about the people that sent me there no it, you know that's I mean? it, that's exactly it and so like I posted a, uh, a status at New Year's Eve on Facebook that sort of fucking bombed to some people and was amazing for others I just said uh, I said like they're like don't don't say like oh 2018's been a crap year it's been a rubbish year um 
and two thousand nine is going to be so good. I was like, because there are no bad years, there are no good years. Anything bad that's happened in your life is your fault. So people have come back up. Some people have liked it and said brilliant words. But other people have come and said like, bad year. You're blaming me for the fact my wife got cancer and stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're misinterpreting. <laughs> they're like, someone else come on. They're like, what about the people who have lost people this year? What, the, what is their fault? I'm like, no, you're mis. So I went and I was like, no, you're misunderstanding. They're, they're terrible things that have happened to you, mm. but you're making them bad. I have no. They are terrible things that I wouldn't want anybody to go through. But only you can make them good or bad aspects of your life going forward. If you've lost someone this year through cancer, for a road traffic accident, through whatever, I lost my mum obviously that year, so it went like a, like I was talking from no experience. I was like, losing them is going to be painful. It's going to be terrible. It's going to have a massive effect on you. But positive and negative are outlooks that you put onto every single thing that happens to you. And yes, you can say, it's a bad thing that happened, they died. Or you can say, they died and it was terrible and it hurt me and it didn't feel good. But you have to now look at the positives that you can draw for the rest of your life. Because if you blame that year or that instance for the thing that was bad, mm. you're, you're tagging that as bad and you're associating that with bad. It's the same with, on not such a, uh, not such a, uh, a brutal level, you should never, when you have children, you should never, when it's raining, say, we're not going out because because it's bad weather. Because your child's going to associate rain with being bad weather. Yeah. It's not. It's good weather because it's great for the planet. It's great for other things you might want to do that involve rain. It's just not the suitable weather for what you want to do. Yeah. So the language of how you say it yeah. is a big influence then around that child associating rain with being good or bad. It's the same thing in this. is The thing that happened to you some people say, oh, that's a really bad thing you experienced. No, it wasn't. It was a great thing. For, it was It was terrible. I lost three years of my life. Yeah. But it was great for me and my future. Exactly, but from it, I gained, do you know what I mean? I, I, I gained an, an outlook which I would have probably never experienced or yeah. had. And it's not even that you gained yeah. it. You were signed a positive. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. chose that. And this is, people yeah. don't accredit that enough. And this was my whole status point was that, if you're going to take credit for everything good that happens this year, you should take credit for everything bad. And conversely, if you're going to say something bad happens, you can't then take credit for the positive. Embrace the positive and say, I did this. I made these decisions. I'm the reason my life's going good. And then turn and say, I'm the reason my life's going bad. I'm not the reason this bad stuff happened or these negative things happened, but I'm the reason I can't get over them or I'm the reason I can't make them something positive. Yeah. And you did. You you went to prison and you yeah. made those things positive and every day that you look back now and you see those things, you think, fuck that, that's not from me. I'm not... Yeah, there's no way I'd want to ever go back to prison. No way. But I don't fear prison as a thing. Yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, Yeah. it's never been the deterrent. uh, For me, not killing someone has never been because (laughs) the fact I'm going to prison. That's not the. It's not the deterrent of going to prison that stops me killing people. The deterrent of me going to prison doesn't stop me like doing burglary. You know, it's not. I'm not so scared of going to prison. I don't do these things. You know, I I'm pretty confident I'll handle prison. I don't want to go to prison because yeah. A, it means I've done something that I really shouldn't have done and morally it's quite questionable yeah. if I'm going to go to prison. You can obviously go to prison for shit you shouldn't do like you did. Yeah. Um, but that really puts me off going to prison is the fact that I've probably done something then that's questionable morally or socially, etc. Yeah. Et or, you know, 
I've done something where I haven't considered the consequences and I've been an idiot. That mm. would bother me if I was sat in prison because I was just too... Like, I've had two drinks when I know the limit's fucking one and I've gone to prison for drink driving. I'd sit and I'd think, what a prick what for the sake of having a beer. Yeah. You know, that puts me off going to prison more than the fact of being in prison. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just... It's a, yeah. But, again, I'm exper- I've experienced something that, as you know, something that other people will never get to experience as well. Yeah, and yeah. an amazing experience. Like it must have been every day, every day, the, every day the same but different. Like you're <laughs> locked up with yeah. criminals. You know, you're in there not a criminal. Well, yeah, but locked up surprised there's a lot of people in the same boat as you. Yeah, I can imagine. As well, you know, it's just like, and and you sort of like make these lifelong friends as well. Yeah, I can like, imagine that. Yeah. Brotherhood. Yeah, I suppose like a little bit like your like sparring partners and your training mates. They're like. A different kind of mate yeah you know what I mean you yeah. get like it's like a different bond you get with in, in certain situations with people definitely and um, uh, prison's a big one like that I can imagine so you, that. you naturally gravitate towards similar people to you like yeah. it just, I think that's just like the way personalities and humans work you just gravitate towards people that are similar to you in, in, in well, I mean, we're social, aren't we? That we're yeah. we're social creatures. We're meant to live in tribes. You know, all this uh, uh, husband and wife and uh, their family in a house living together is very modern. We back a hundred years, if maybe not even that long, we'd have our our parents would be living here as well, mm. and you'd still be living in a, a community, even though it's a smaller in a tribe. Yeah. You know, you'd have at least your your in laws would maybe live with you or something, you know. So every house would have like grandparents, grandchildren, you and your wife, etc. So we are like that. And I, I think anything that involves being in a group, a rugby team let's say. Yeah. So I played rugby for a little while. Now these are people who I have very little in common with when you look on the outlook. I don't drink. Is I don't it? like Rowdy rugby team sort of behavior yeah, is not my sort of thing. That would be into drinking beer. Out of no. Ass crack. Oh no. Yeah. So I, I do like those sort of things. So like I remember, it was like my 18th or 19th birthday, and I had to do the, all the line of all the shots. So I did that, and I was sick in a bucket, so I drank the sick out of the bucket just because everyone was crazy. like, everyone, everyone was like, oh, it's disgusting. I would do stuff like that because people would say. It was stupid, you know what I mean? But I didn't enjoy it. That's not the sort of people I choose to hang around with. But when you're in a, in a rugby team, you end up with mates who you wouldn't usually seek out and you become really close friends. I still speak to a lot of those guys I played rugby with. I consider them good friends. And fighting, conversely, as well. You think of yeah. the different personalities we have at the gym. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure lots of people would think, fuck, I was nowhere to hang around with Wes. Like, otherwise... But because yeah. we fight together, we have this bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess prison's exactly the same. You share it yeah, moments. Yeah, it is. Uh, makes you write as well. That's quite nice. Yeah? Did poetry. Did you? I should have brought a poem. You should have. Uh, no, you wouldn't want to hear them. They were very angry. Oh, I'd love to hear them anyway. Like emo poems. <laughs> <laughs> were you an emo <laughs> when you were inside? Um, no, I actually shaved my head and grew a beard. Nice. So now I'm we're talking. <laughs> Now you were my kind of guy. You as a prisoner. I like you already, but as a prisoner, I like you. I put a lot of muscle mass on. Well, I put a lot of like size on. Yeah. Fat and muscle in like combined, not as the same thing, but in a look, if that makes sense. What about reading? Did you read much? I studied studied Islam a bit. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nerdy converted. Um, mainly because they get better food. When you say converted, so are you religious? No. No, no. Okay. I would just like um I, I, I also like I I try to read I try to read Mein Kampf as well. Okay. Yeah, I, that. I've got Mein Kampf. What a yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. I read about five pages and I was just like, eh. Yeah. You've got you've um, got to ask yourself why you're reading books yeah, like that as well, well just out of interest just, yeah, yeah so not, if you're no reading a book, reason, so that's the sort of thing that I would read or, or would pick up just because I think well this is I've got to read it so like I read the bible history, I read the bible because I thought well I can I talk about the bible if I'm not read it read yeah. the bible I can't remember any of it can't remember it. I've yeah. had all the quotes punched out of me that's what made me get the Corinthians um, passage on my arm that I have because I read the bible um I would read it again maybe as a collection of short stories. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, I would never, but I read, that that part of me, part of me does think, oh, it'd be nice to get, nice to get a couple of years, yeah. I could just get a load of books done in. I read like, I read, yeah, I read the, I didn't read the Quran, but I read like, um, sort of Muslim uh, study, like mm-hmm. study books, yeah. sort of thing. And that was mainly because when, in one of my jobs when I was in, uh, when, this is when I was in Devon, in a prison called Chinese Wood, um, I was on like, I had to make jeans, so I was like a seam, seam, seamstress, is yeah. that the word? Yeah, it's a word, yeah. What's the more sort of gender neutral word for seamstress? Um, Taylor? Taylor, no, because that, would that not mean I'm a male? I don't know, I don't yeah. know if there's, there's a masculine and a feminine. An adjective that applies to both sexes? Yeah. I don't know. I have to Google that. Or whether seamstress would apply. Yeah, well, anyway, I like the word seamstress, seamstress, so I wanted to be a seamstress. Yeah, okay. And I had to put the um, the side seam, I guess, in, in jeans, mm-hmm. HMC jeans, prison jeans. And the guy that I was sat next to was a Muslim, and for like a year I did that job, and we just, obviously you just get talking to whoever's sat next to you. And it was down to him, and he sort of like talked to me about uh, Islam I find it really interesting so I studied it a little bit um, I don't think I'd ever be like religious in any sense anyway yep. more like spiritual I'd yeah. say I believe in like I've got my own little belief system yep. which is like the burn rods religion what does it constitute we're not going to go down no, no, uh, no let's not get into that no we should well, I should definitely <laughs> hear it yeah. but I don't want um, I, I, I definitely want to know what it is but no, I but don't want to be think. I don't want you to become like L. Ron Hubbard oh, and that. start my own Scientology. Start Scientology, and then I'm the first person in it. Imagine that. And it, no, I don't like. But I would like to know what it is. Um, no, like just probably like anyone. I believe that um, you know, like a lot of people say, when you die, you're just dead, isn't it? Yeah. And like it's like when you're sleeping, but like them sleeps that like you don't have no dreams. You're just like it's nothing. It's like, yeah. I don't know why it makes me more Bristolian. <laughs> Only Bristolians. Yeah, nice. that's like my uh, my my other brain. And um, no, I believe like life is like uh, just another uh, like a, a part of whatever's next. So you think it's a continuation of something? Yeah, just like, it's like yeah, like a continuation. So do you believe that you of... maintain your consciousness and you are you are the next thing as you are here, conscious of that? It could be, yeah. or not. I don't know. That, yeah, that, yeah. that, that bit's impossible. So to you it's not you've not it's not expansive. You haven't expanded as to what it is. You just no, believe no, that, that like, it's not over. Yeah, that, like that would be impossible to. Yeah. 
to know. Like, you, yes, you, exactly. You, again, that would just be something you think. Yeah. Of. So I, uh, I'm sort of the same in that I believe. So people say, "Oh, you remember what it was like before you were born?" You're like, "No, look, that's what it was like when you're dead." I'm like, "Well, I can sort of see what you're saying, yeah. but perhaps I can't remember what it was like before I was born because I've always been born." And then they're like, "Well, what do you mean?" I'm like. Well, perhaps my conscious is a continuation. So perhaps when I die, it's just me being born. Perhaps death is the start of me being born again. Yeah, and yeah, so it could be that. You know, and then more and more, I get drawn into simulation theory. I've looked yeah. at a lot about simulation theory and holograms and stuff. And, and do you reckon that we're all already in the computer? Possibly. Yeah, I do think that it's it's, it's very hard to disprove and it's also very hard to when you hear the evidence it's very hard to argue against it yeah it's, a, it's an interesting argument because it's, it's the, the explanation answer. for a simulation theory is easier to grasp than the fact that we're a ball of something floating through the, through the solar system that blows up one day and then mm. the all the molecules from that combined with a star exploding and the carbon from that then generates living things that then evolve to us yeah. what what's more what's yeah, what's okay. harder to comprehend i need to i need to um do a little bit more research on that on um that theory it's an interesting one yeah it's scary. I, like, it, it's not really scary, is what it's, it is. Well, <laughs> you just open your mind up to just thinking. But it's not. I think it's not scary because if you suddenly open up your mind to this theory that we're in a simulation or a computer program, whatever it yeah. is, then it all of a sudden changes the boundaries of what you can and can't do in life because you're in f- sort of in full control anyway. Everything is what you make it. Mm. Are you in control or is someone controlling the simulation? So that's where you then go down yeah. that road. So I think I, yeah, I, yeah, fuck knows. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a hard one, like, and because uh, listen, I'm massively into evolution. I, I, I believe evolution. I Richard Dawkins is a great author to read if you've never read any Richard Dawkins stuff. Richard Dawkins books are really good. You should read some Richard Dawkins stuff. Um, I've got a Richard Dawkins book I can either lend you or recommend you I don't like lending books you don't get them back but I'll lend it to you definitely oh, so okay. Richard and it's quite small okay. and uh, is it like lots of his stuff's massive has it got big words and is the text not, really small because not really it's quite slowest reader it's on quite uh, it's like it's well written it's quite comical it's quite funny you know um, I can't remember for the life of me what it's fucking called I've got, I've got like I've got like a little library upstairs and i got it upstairs it's called I'll think of it in a minute um I'll do a book swap with you. Oh yeah, what, what well good book. What one is it? It's um again I can't remember what it's called, but it's about this girl and she's like a bit of a nymphomaniac. Is it fiction? Yeah. Oh. It's a good story, man. Yeah. Yeah. Great oh. story. How big is it? It's not big. Okay. I'm not a massive fiction guy. Read oh, some read some fiction. Um The Alchemist is a great book oh, to really? read. Yeah, you read it or not? Yeah. Great book. I really I enjoyed to put it. it down halfway through. Oh, I really enjoyed The Alchemist. Have you read American American Psycho? No. It's all the film, though. So, it's actually one of those where watch, watching the film first is better than reading the book first because you've got a face for the character. Yeah, you can visualise stuff. He's the yeah. perfect guy for Patrick Bateman. Yeah. Like, American Psycho is definitely one of my favourite films and it's probably my favourite book. Yeah. Um, 
the book is brutal yeah savage I just so good though like I don't feel like I'm learning anything so I read a book um, not long ago because I, obviously on it because I read a lot of books a book a month at least I try and read and uh, so there's I follow stuff on Instagram great, hashtag great reads hashtag books of Instagram whatever, and this book kept coming up educated by Tara Westover memoirs I love memoirs so I got this book kept it and I was like fuck it so I ordered it on Amazon it came so it came I finished the book in three days loved it amazing book um, what's it about? she's she was Mormon raised in a Mormon family and it's about her I'm going to use the word escape for want oh, of a better description Mormon. oh yeah? yeah was she fucked up? Uh, yeah but not because she was maybe because she was Mormon mm, it's yeah, a hard Mormonism's like a bit painkillers pain Mormon's a bit fucking Mormonism's a bit weird so anyway she uh, so I read the book and all the time I'm reading it and trying to visualise her as a girl and I wouldn't Google her. I wouldn't look at her face because I thought, I need her to be the character now. I've created her in my head. And then when I looked at her face, I was a bit like, yeah, you could have been my girl actually. Yeah, I could. When I actually looked at her face, it would have, it suited. Like the description I put in my head really suited her. So, yeah, I liked doing that, but but it was that's factual. And then like, then I went down like a three day rabbit hole of watching her on YouTube do interviews about her book and stuff and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love I love a memoir. I love Dawkins, but there's a, there's a great writer. He lives in the UK, but he's originally from Australia. His name's Bill Bryson. He writes like travel books, but when I say travel books, you'll think, oh, that sounds a bit weird. I'm not really. But they're well not. Honest. They're not really travel books like you'd think. They're funny. They're like he. He, the Road to Little Dribbling is one of his books and it's just he does a walk or he travels parts of Britain and stops at all these little small little country, little villages and stuff and he writes about them and some of the descriptions are just hilarious you know and then he did a book called A Short History of Almost Everything it's quite a big book and it's from the Big Bang up to present day which I believe is about 2002 or something in the mm. book 2010 maybe which is amazing it literally goes from talking about how it started from the Big Bang to sometimes how food blenders work or how microorganisms work. But the way he writes is really engaging. Yeah. Great writer, Bill Bryson. So if you're going to read, something like that's really cool. Nice. But fiction-wise, I can't really get on with. No? No, I'm not really. Probably wouldn't like American Psycho, then. And I've seen the film, so maybe I wouldn't. Well, no, no, like I said, it's one of those where when you watch the film first, it makes the book better. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe I'd be thinking, come on, I'll up to the bit where you do this. I'll up and get to the bit where... Yeah, but there's more bits where he does that. Okay. Or maybe I'll have a look at it. If it's not a big book and I'll smash out in a few it, days. It's good, it's good. Like, it's it's really descriptive and it's like... You read it and at first you don't realise that you're, like, in the head of a psycho. He's, he's written it really... Like, yeah. You think it's the way the book's written, but, like, yep. it's not... It's, it's like so it's written first person? Um... Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. I am a bit intrigued now that you've said good. that. Really but look, because people say, it's hard having the time to read as well. And people say, well, you've got time to watch TV, you've got time to read. I'm like, well, no, because if I want to watch TV and I want to read as well, that's yeah. not, I still, and I'm, I'm trying to get TV more, either. yeah, I'm trying to get more writing done. Um, more stand-up, trying to write more stand-up. And uh, I'm working on a little project I'm trying to write at the moment. And then trying to do more podcasts. Yeah. Plus, I need to be training because that last fight well, went out. Well, you've got to that belt, mate. I got a fight just because I felt so good in there. And um, 
my body held up. So if I can just keep my Did body you holding fair up. This time or not? No. Still no nerves. No nerves at all. No nerves. And it was you so nervous. Yeah, not nervous at all. I was trying in my head. I was saying like walk around the map thinking fuck. I was like kicking in a minute. I got nervous about being nervous. It was really weird. I thought, fuck, is it going to hit me well, in a minute? So you got nervous then? Yeah, so I was like, I'm not going to fucking feel nervous in a minute. Oh, what if I get really nervous when the door shuts? No, I didn't. I was only nervous about being nervous. Yeah, well, that's so you were nervous. I didn't get any, like, I didn't get any nerves about the fight. Yeah, but no, but that is. Because, and I was like, because you, because you were nervous about being nervous because you thought you were going to be nervous about fighting. So you were nervous because of the fight. Because the nerves... Uh, in a roundabout, in a roundabout <laughs> way. Yeah, in a roundabout way, yeah. And then but you the get fight... a head kick and then you get a head kick. Yeah, I get a head kick win, yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't, but then also, maybe I do get nervous, but maybe because of the things that I've done or I yeah, do, I've, maybe I handle nerves different to people or I, I describe yeah, them differently. I think you get nervous, but you don't... Because you're trying to, like... I think you've... Oh, how am I trying to explain this? You think I associate nerves with fear, and because I'm not getting scared, you think I'm not getting... I think yes, I'm not getting nervous. something okay. like that. Possibly, yeah. because... Or, 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 or you feel like you're not feeling it the way everyone else feels it, so it's not nerves. Or, yeah, maybe I don't describe it the way that you describe yeah. it, so then I don't associate it. Yeah. Because I get anxious, like I want it to start. I'm just yeah. like, come on, I can't... I don't want to warm up anymore. I just want... Let's just fight now. Let's yeah. start the cage... But I don't... Yeah. Like, Paul used to be like, oh, I'm looking at things, like, thinking, oh, fucking hell, man, I wish I could trip over that and I wouldn't have to fight and fucking <laughs> hell. Oh, I don't want to do this. And, yeah. But, like, part of me, when I when I fight abroad or away and I have to be in a hotel, I hate it because I don't want to leave the hotel because then I'm like, right, let's either go there in the morning and be at the venue or let's just have the fight in my hotel room because I don't want to do the bit in between where I'm at the hotel till 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon which is when my body's just starting to shut down then you're picking me up and we're going to a venue where I've got to rest again and then at 9, 10 o'clock I've got to get myself back up for a fight you know yeah. I I don't like that bit I'm sort of like it's a let's weird, just weird day isn't it yeah it's a weird, it's a weird fucking weird. day and it's not what you expect because you assume me. before you start fighting professionally it's like you associate a fight like like it's like the glamorous end result of all your hard work yeah but the days like couldn't be any less glamorous do you know what I mean it, yeah it's the least glamorous thing it's, and even at the highest highest level it's still going to be the same it's exactly the same yeah, so obviously imagine. I've cornered I've, well the ultimate fighter was pretty the highest level I've been at and it was obviously the number one show in the world at the time yeah and Just I saying. went on my own no coaches or anything you know so I'm there alone you don't know who you're fighting you don't know you don't know their name of who you're fighting until the day before you fight them mm. you've got no internet access so you can't google them is that for like to get in the house yeah Fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, they still treat it like it would, like it would be like a fight, or yeah, it's a full fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, as just... in like the before bit. Is there like loads of waiting around? Yeah, and then, like yeah. So how it works with do on my fighter, right? Was the day of the fight, you turn up, doctor checks, blah blah blah, everything you'd imagine medical. Then you got your change rooms at the back, but of course they've got to do twelve fights on the day, and then yeah. people are coming in and out. And you're like, oh, well, he's when he's in the house, so I'm about to fight in next round. Then you're waiting to go in and have your fight. But I don't know anything about my opponent. Only other Americans are like, I know this guy, so I'm fighting so and so show. He's a stand up guy, he's not going to shoot on you. And it's just word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. might have saw somebody or what. I'm just tricking you because they're his mate. You just never know. So it's just a bit like surreal. And then part of it in my head, like, was I was like, 
well, I'm not going to ever fucking quit, and I'm not going to not fight the guy, so I'm here now. What's the point of being nervous about it? Fuck this. I'm fight- like, I would, yeah. I'd processed it. Maybe that's what I'd do. Maybe I'd process things logically. So, with base jumping, when, when it came to base jumping, the first time I ever jumped off the bridge in Idaho, I wasn't nervous, let's say, because I knew if I make it to the middle of the bridge and I step over that rail, I'll jump. There's no way I'm coming back over that rail. Now, when I get to the rail, maybe I won't be able to climb over it. But I'm so logical. I'm like, but let's worry about that when we're at the rail. Mm. And that's literally the day when I got out of the van for the first time. I've got my kit on. I've done my checks. I start walking along the bridge. And I'm like, ah, you're going to jump off this fucking bridge. And I'm like, well, let's not worry about that until we're at the rail. We'll process when we're at the rail. Then we get to the rail. You've only got a minute or two before you think about climbing over. So then I'm like... If I climb over there, I'm not coming back. So I'm either going to climb or I'm not. And I'm like, well, I want a base jump. I've got to climb. So I climb. So I've processed it. So logically, I guess that gets rid of my nerves. You know, I'm anxious. I want to just do it now. Yeah. Like, you know, if it goes wrong and I die, it's too late. I've jumped by then. So let's just get on with it and let's just do the jump. So the nerve side of it, maybe I maybe, maybe I process it too logically. Mm. Or maybe I feel what everybody else feels. Have just you don't... watched Free Solo, the Alex? Yes, Conrad. I watched the premiere. Yeah. Uh, Bristol. Maybe he, well, you know where they scan his brain and he processes fear very differently to like a, a, like, yeah. a, a, a your average person. Yeah. Could be that sort of I case. mean, so my mate Tim, who taught me to paraglide, so I, I've done these courses called SIV when I paraglide, where you make your parachute collapse and you have to fix it all. Now, I'm not some cool guy who does radical stuff. Everyone should really do that. It's a really well-known thing to do. Um, but when I get collapses up in the air... I get collapses, I sort them out, and boom, I deal with it. And then after it, I'm like, fuck, you know, that was a bit full on, you know. And other people will get it. They're like, oh, fuck, it's close. And yeah, they'll yeah. go a bit panicky, and then they'll sort it out. And then after sort it out, they can't, they can't wait to land. They've got to process it. Yeah. I don't get that. It's sort of like everything slows down. I deal with the situation. and I, So maybe, maybe I've got that thing where my yeah. brain just works. It's like getting caught in, like, caught under someone's mount. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, now this is the thing when you're caught into someone's mount do you panic or do you, do you curl up no yeah you know I mean? and then when someone starts elbowing you in the face yep. do you then start thinking about the elbow because this is what people do and I say this all the time to people because you don't they do jujitsu, but they're not doing jiu-jitsu with the consequence of getting really hit Yeah. so what happens is when you fight you start getting hit in the face and you start defending the, the strikes but then you're not escaping the danger which is being in mount as where you if you accept I'm going to get hit but I'm getting out of mount you'll escape mount and you can't get hit in the head but it's so hard to process that you want to stop the strikes, you know? Yeah, for sure. And you've seen that, what we call the Olympians might escape. Yeah. You've seen how that works. If you go for it, you get out. There's no two ways about it. Get on that hip, get over that leg, clear it to half guard, you're boom, you're out of mount. If you start worrying about the elbows or the punches, yeah. it makes it ten times harder. You get, out, you get knocked out in the process, that's that, isn't it? And the thing is, realistically, especially with someone like yourself, you're so explosive, you're probably not going to get punched or elbowed. If you yeah. said to someone, now, take my out on me. Okay, right, when I say go, you're allowed two really hard punches in my face. And I'm going to, I bet you wouldn't even get hit once you Sounds escape. Like the best game ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd escape, I reckon. Yeah, well, I hope so. Otherwise, I'm not a very good professional MMA fighter. Well, I don't know. Someone might have a really good man. Khabib. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying ever against Khabib. Yeah. Khabib's. I'd take him out. One thing I don't, one thing I find really interesting about you is you don't watch MMA, really. I watch MMA. A lot of MMA or what? Yeah, every Sunday. Well, most Sundays. When Do you? Yeah. 
Okay, I thought you didn't really yeah. watch MMA much. Watch... No, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. Yeah? I'd say I probably do as much as any other MMA fan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. you weren't really into MMA, you didn't really watch it. No, no, no. And I, I've, who else I met as a fighter who didn't watch MMA? Brad, I don't really I've spoken watch to Brad Scott about it before, and yeah, he yeah. said to me once that he didn't watch MMA. Yeah, he said on the podcast that actually Brad said on the podcast well, that yeah. he don't watch MMA. He's not yeah. a fan of it. Oh, um, yeah, he prefers no. watching Glory than he what than watching MMA. Yeah, no, I love MMA, especially that the more I'm doing it, the more I want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Because then it becomes a study. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Then I'm like, I sort of like, oh yeah, I would have done that in that situation. I reckon I would have done better. And you compare yourself, and and you and you put yourself in situations and. I'm like a visual learner, so the, mm-hmm. the more I can see something, the more I'm going to learn. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm, so I'm like you, so if Josh is, say, teaching a class, or if you show me a YouTube video, even without the sound, two or three times I could probably redo it there and then. Yeah. I'm not saying a week's time I'd remember it, because I'd have to drill it for that. But if you showed me something on YouTube, I could probably replicate it there and yeah. then without any sound but also if you describe something to me because I've done MMA so long I guess I can then do the same thing so I know what you what you mean so for like from my point of view I had to be an MMA fan because there was no MMA back in the day so I liked MMA but there was no classes as well I think now the classes someone like yourself you can go to MMA classes and then get into the sport which is is that what happened to you um well, like for me, it was I've always been an MMA fan in terms of like you remember when like big Gary Goodridge used to wear yeah. his in the ring, and yeah, yeah, dude in the crucifix, and there was like there was like a compilation video of all these like savage knockouts, yeah, UFC one. I remember watching it in in UFC, like it was like compilation of the first knockouts from like the first maybe three UFCs, three mm-hmm. or four UFCs. That's when I got into it, but I didn't actually get into it my physically myself, like training, training it until like I um, really when I did one to ones with Paul, which was like yeah. three years ago. But I was doing that was doing teaching a class of MMA because he was obviously fighting professionally by that point already. He was already like probably six fights in, four, yeah. five, maybe not even that much actually, five or six fights in. So I was going to Nad's class. So I'd say like Nad's probably my first MMA coach. Yeah, but in a class environment. In a class environment. But it, for me, I like to turn professional and for now to want it, make it as a career and to see how far I can take it. So now I've got like obviously big aspirations in it. The end goal being like, you know, like trying to get to the pinnacle like the UFC. Even just yeah. one fight would be... Yeah, like, yeah, that's the dream. In the, I still, I still have that do, dream. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one, I'll sign a one fight one contract. Fight, oh, wow, I'll sign a one fight contract. Walking and not get knocked out in thirty seconds, man. I'm still happy. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. I mean? like, because I, I've hit a goal. I've hit a target. Yeah. Um, or Bellator, possibly, but still, still UFC. Just like, yeah, yeah. just because you grow up. Yeah. Watching that, from, like, like that, that is big for me because. Obviously, it was only me and James Thompson did MMA in the whole of Bristol when it first started, yeah. and there was only about seven of us in the UK. And then we met up Ronnie, and I had my first fight just before Ronnie had his first fight. So when you go way back then, the UFC was like that was all you saw was a little yeah. clip of the UFC. And then after like a year or so, Lee Remedios and Ian Freeman like fought on a UFC card in the UK. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna fight in the UFC. Then I went to the Ultimate Fighter, yeah, so and I fought close. there so close, <laughs> fucked my leg up. So close. close. And now I think, uh, I think you know, if I could get four or five decent wins now, 
it's not too far like well, yeah. I don't want a three four year career it's, in the like, UFC it's, it's harder now because obviously people are better people but are better it's a lot more accessible now because it's bigger yeah and because of my, my name would help me as well yeah, and stuff so so yeah well. yeah the record and having a name so yeah but I see I know what you mean in that from for it's me so I've always wanted to do it and for someone to just offer it to me now would be like I've, that is all I've wanted yeah. was one fight or do once. me you know yeah once yeah, yeah just once do. <laughs> but it's, okay. it's very achievable for you I think very very achievable yeah. well I mean I won't stop now like until I get as, until I get to a point where I, I've just done everything I can to try and get to that goal and and okay I, I accept that I can't make it for whatever reason that might be Yeah, I won't stop until I get somewhere very close or I actually get get there. like that's, that's that's like 100% that, that's the goal like the next three years of my life are dedicated to getting there and then and then it's somehow building a relationship with big organisations for the gym then so then we can push up and coming athletes towards the right direction to like get into these big organisations yeah. you know what I mean first I'm going to think about myself and try and get there and then yeah. it's to try and bring the, like the, the team yeah, yeah get the gym name get the sweatbox gym name sweatbox yeah. MMA uh, up to like you know imagine that get a relationship with the UFC and you can somehow get a fight like deserved fighters you know what I mean like yeah, yeah. I mean that, that'll I mean? Co- that'll come anyway that'll definitely come anyway um, you'll that just happens like there was a time where I had a really good relationship with Joe Silva a really good relationship with um, matchmakers from Pride and stuff because of James yeah. so that'll come when you just have, if you get in the UFC you'll have that relationship and then if yeah. you're in the UFC Nad's in the UFC and say oh, I got in the UFC three people yeah. would make a big difference you know it's like a it's like a it's like a two two way thing it's like one I want to do it because it's a goal and yeah I like now at this point in my life I'm really goal driven Mm-hmm. So I've got all these little goals like we've got this new brand coming out, me and a mate called Wildstar, mm-hmm. which uh, everyone I'm gonna like, everyone's gonna see that within the next year or two. That's yeah. like a, a goal of mine is to start the brand that I, I'm part of, which I really believe in. And the second goal is obviously to try and take this fighting career as far as it can go, uh, which obviously the pinnacle will be in UFC. So yeah, that's I mean, so I mean possibly that if you were to look at popularity wise UFC definitely pinnacle wise I don't know there's some massive fights Bellator now yeah. um, you have to judge it, are you going to judge your fight career on what on the fights you have or on who you fight for because that's another thing because for me the pinnacle wouldn't yeah. be the UFC the pinnacle would be to be able to fight in Japan to be able to fight in yeah. America to I'd be, love to travel but with it for well. me personally the UFC is where I want to fight because that's all there was when I started yeah. that was pride I always wanted to fight in pride but it's gone obviously so the UFC then one, was all there was you know one, one would be nice as well yeah I just like one would be nice because it's just Asia you know it yeah, really you know, nice. it yeah. just looks cool yeah, just don't fight the guy you uh, sage. <laughs> is that lightweight or is that lightweight? lightweight? That light- uh, no, oh, welter well, because it's one. Yeah. yeah, it was welter. So yeah, tough Holy fight. Moly. But no, Wildstar make big things, and we'll put links to Wildstar stuff in the description to this podcast because I do think big things, social co and stuff as well. Who it's linked up with, yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. the clothing, such good quality. Yeah. The design is so on point. So the only thing that I can possibly say that it's uh, 
that it resembles slightly would be um I forgot what it's fucking called now. Oh, there's a brand. Can't it that much, then, can it? It's a brand. It's just me being punched in the head too much. It's a brand, and I've always wanted one of their flat peak hats. Got the fucking Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Yeah. So, well, that's a big influence. Yeah, so, but I think it's it deviates. It's similar, but it deviates with the colors. Yeah. The colors are so much more vibrant, yeah. and the design is so much more out there. I like yeah. it. So it's yeah. So we've got like we're going back to this sort of skateboarding, surfing, mm-hmm. fighter, streetwear influence. And like you know, brands like Vans, Santa Cruz, um, yeah. all these skate brands—they're like, it is what it is, isn't it? Wild style. It, like, yeah, yeah. So like a tagline for us is just wild and free. Yeah. And just keeping it like that. Um, and we just, uh, to be honest, it, uh, a lit part of it. Well, part of it was it was uh, my business partner's idea, Justin, who's a sick designer. He just come up with this brand because we were always talking about how sick to death we are of these sort of like new fitness brands Jim King and like yeah fuck me Gymshark these bullshit brands that like promote this they're just trying to hit the mass market aesthetic yeah exactly yeah and anyway and, and it's like minimalistic sort of anyone can do it brand crap yeah do you know what I mean so we just wanted to take it back to this sort of like you know skateboarder colours it's not about the it's not about the person it's about the lifestyle it's about the lifestyle it's about whether you believe in the brand or not yeah because you know we're going to promote like people like yourself who throw themselves off a building with parachutes (laughs) whether it's a smart thing to do or not who hang out you know at their mum's house with two massive eagles and (laughs) 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 that's cool yeah but like other people will probably be like well, that's not cool. It, that's bit, what makes it cool. That's what makes it cool. Exactly. And that's yeah. why it is fucking cool. Like, like because and like, so we've got another slogan which we're gonna probably pass. So it's just like fuck what you think. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It is like just it is what it is. I think you should. The slogan should be fuck what they think. Or fuck what they think. Fuck what they think. Yeah. Fuck what they like, think. Yeah. So I tell you another thing that goes along. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck what they think. Carry on and do your own thing. Be yourself. Yeah. Fuck what they think. Um. So there's a burger place in America called In and Out. You've probably heard of it. It's yeah, been on yeah, loads yeah. of. Lo- it's only in California. Okay. In and Out Burger, and uh, they have something called animal fries, and they you, animal animal animals style burgers of animal style now how that came about was what there used to only be one shop it was in i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna brutalize this because it's old knowledge just coming out but this is the story so there was one store let's say it's in la or san diego and there used to be a group of skateboarders used to hang around outside every day skateboarding in the car park the owner hated them would try and tell them to fuck off he'd call them the animals fucking animals those fucking animals out there on the skateboards oh those animals out there in the parking lot this is like the 70s or something when it just opened one restaurant and so these guys would come in and they'd say can I have fries but I want all the sauce and the ground up onions that you put on a burger can you put that on top of the fries please mm. so they said they used to order them like, can I have the fries do you want them animal style because they were called the they used to call them animals the yeah. groups now you're going in and out 
on the menu animal star yeah, yeah, animal star cool. fries and stuff yeah. now that's the sort of thing where what influ- and it's a massive selling point in an out burger yeah. is that you have an animal star you know and all the influence that was this group of kids you know that yeah. to embrace that as a brand in and out yeah. to embrace that and make that your thing is very much similar to this brand you know you're yeah, embracing so like, those elements not like we're, nothing, we're not doing anything groundbreaking we're not doing anything different because everything's been done um, we haven't even done anything yet it's just like pretty much just an idea with a few t-shirts knocked up but like yeah just like you get your phone out and then you just get on Instagram and you flick and then you're just doing it and you don't even know why you're fucking doing it and then you're looking at these like influencer like this new new thing of influencers pushing products on you because they've got a a number of followers on there yeah yeah fuck that you know what I mean this is like influence like what influencer are you like that's I know conversation I'm going to struggle for a conversation with someone like that and then I'm going to pull my phone out and then like before I leave here and I'm probably going to get Instagram up and flick and then get mad at myself for looking at these influencers pushing these products on me so yeah that's another thing is so like like wild star we won't have these bullshit influencers that we use in you because you've got X amount of followers or whatever we want people who live the lifestyle you're promoting lifestyle that what the brand is about so yeah do you know what i mean that could be anything though that doesn't have to like that doesn't have like that i mean like that doesn't have to be would like are we going to use him because he's a skateboarder it's like you might use him because he's a skateboarder but but he's true to his like to his passion yeah yeah so we might use someone else because he's he likes roller skating whatever yeah yeah. we might use someone because they like their egos it's not about what them. they do it's about how passionate yeah, they are about yeah, the thing yeah, that they're yeah, doing yeah. But it, I get yeah. that yeah and it's and it, yeah yeah I mean so for me if I met somebody now today a really hot girl or a really cool looking guy I was oh what do you do and like, yeah I'm an influencer on Instagram I wouldn't know I wouldn't know what to say to yeah. them next I've nothing to talk to you about I don't know what it'd probably be what else do you do what do you do for a hobby because I'm out of things now. From show, I'm an influencer. I'm like, well, you shoot nothing then, basically. But if I but sat there and I said, like, what are you doing? They were like, I farm sheep on the moors of Scotland. I'd be like, man, that's cool. I bet the weather's a big impact. I'd know what to say next. I'd, I'd know, like, what to... <laughs> yeah, but I'd just know what to say to them. Or, like, oh, what do you do for... Like, oh, like, I... Uh, Oh yeah, I'm a graffiti artist, but I only do high rise. Like, Fucking hell, that's cool. Like, what? Just anything. Like, don't, he's making no money. He's not famous because of it. And this influencer who's got who's getting paid ten grand a week, I got yeah. nothing to say to them. But the guy who farms the sheep and the guy who sprays the graffiti, yeah. I'm yeah. intrigued by. And they're following their passion. You know what I mean? Exactly. Their passion, but they might not be making their money from it. But they're maybe. Well, hopefully they're happy because they're following. Yeah. They love what they passion, do. Do you know what I mean? Listen, brother. You gotta teach it half past seven. Yeah. It's ten past seven. Right, we better go. wrap this bitch up, right? Yeah, man. Um, honestly, it was awesome getting you on. I think maybe at first you're a little bit worried. About, oh, what, what are we gonna talk about? Yeah, what we know what to say? Funny enough, I'm not a talker. <laughs> You've done well. You've done well. I think uh, a couple of weeks we get you straight back on, mate. Just to, like I've enjoyed talking to you. I guarantee people have enjoyed listening to you. You haven't spoken enough about the gym and the brand and all those things. So we're not going to do a promotional thing. We'll get you on maybe on after the John Jones fight card or something. We'll break down the fight card together and talk about other parts of your life. So yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll get together and we'll do it then. But until then, mate, you've been awesome. Anything you want to promote or say before we go? Uh, www.thewildstyle.co.uk 
subscribe. It's coming. It's the wild stars coming. Obviously, Sweatbox Gym, etc. Oh, yeah. I hit everything up. And, and www.sweatboxgym.com. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, nobody goes to websites, so fucking ignore that. Instagram, Facebook, yeah, Wild yeah. Style. We are Wild Star. Sweatbox. Everything will be in the description to this as well. B Rod, you've been amazing as I thought you would be. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you soon.